personal invitation. Um, Lifeway Research, which is one of the biggest research companies that exists, Barna and Lifeway are the two biggest companies, recently spoke with 15,000 adults and asked them of the 13 different approaches there are to invite someone to church, to a small group, or even have a conversation about God, what would you say is the most effective way to start that conversation? And a resounding 70% said that a personal invitation from a family member, a friend, or a neighbor was the most effective way to initiate the conversation. 70% of 15,000 people said a personal invitation. So let me just, uh, we have a pretty good sampling of group here. How many of you came to church, small group, or started your first conversation about God because of someone's personal invitation, a family member, a friend, or a neighbor shared with you? Just raise your hand really quick. Um, take a quick look around. That is pretty close to about 70% of the room. Okay? So what that means is statistically it has been the most proficient, the most practical, and logically continues to be the most proficient way to share faith. So even though we may be drawn to share our faith in other ways, the most proficient way to share our faith, to invite someone to a small group, to initiate a conversation about God, is by the actual act of personally inviting them to our church or to share faith. Not to mention, even if they say no, which they will say no, 60% of them said they're willing to receive information about the church. 60%. Now, here's some information for We have some super small groups. Some of our small groups are kind of like super in size. I want to encourage some of those small groups. You can encourage your people to pass out information about the church, even to people who say no about coming to the church or joining your small group. Because 50% of the people who say no will still be willing to receive information about church, about faith. So maybe you guys can be creative. We happen to have a, an amazing opportunity with Reveille in the church and, and Brenda. We, maybe there's a resource in the church that we can create a bulletin or a handout or something as a resource for our small groups to pass out that we can then use as a tool to just let people know about the church, about faith, about anything. But there's an opportunity with that information to realize every time that someone says no, still an opportunity to share faith and to share hope. That's seed planting, right? That's 101. And why is that? Why is it about a personal invitation that makes people so willing? And this is some of the whoa, paper flying stats. And the facts that I found is because it's personal. Because it's personal and it's authentic. That's something that people want and people need. That's something about our faith that we have to realize. Our faith is authentic and personal. It's not distant. You know, they, uh, they said that Christianity in the beginning, they believed the deist that God put the, put the earth in motion and then he stepped away from it. And we know now that that's not the case. We know that, uh, that our Father is very active and very personal, very intimate. He's very hands-on with our faith. And that's what an invitation says. It says that we're, that we're wanted and that we're accepted as is. Now, that's going to become very important when we go to the Scriptures here and start finding out how the invitation actually works. As is. A lot of us, when we start thinking about invitation, start putting parameters on it. Like, uh, they have to be this, they need to be this, and this, that. We're going to find out from the scriptures. It's as is. Jesus comes to us as is. He makes the corrections as, he, as we know him. He turns the heart of stone to flesh, right? As is. And you can come to someone and you can start some, a friendship. You can start it for business. You can get together and just share life experiences. Maybe you're a, a mom and you're struggling with your kids and you find someone in the neighborhood who's a mom and she's doing really well. 
You might invite them over just to have coffee or to join your small group just to share life experiences. And this is something that a small group in particular can be very beneficial for. And one of the small groups that we're going to be talking about later today at the end of the message, I'm going to actually have somebody come up and share with you, is what about when we're dealing with grief? What about if we've gone through something, hardship? What if we've lost someone? Now, I I happen to be someone who's lost two people in my life. So if you've ever been someone who's lost someone and you don't know how to deal with that, then a small group that actually specializes in grief sharing would be something you might want to focus on. And believe it or not, the church is actually going to be offering a grief sharing ministry And uh, Leslie will be sharing with us later on in the service today um, about that on Friday nights. But let's look to the scripture and let's find out why it's so important. Because everything that I talk about uh, for me is not that significant. I always like to base everything on scripture. And like I said, it begins in John 139. He says, come and see. And so if you have your Bible, you want to open up. um, Let's look at this first passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19. This first one's really important because Isaiah was a prophet, not only to Israel, but he was a prophet who believed that God was the author of all human history. And as such, the author of human history meant all rules, all practices would be for all mankind, all people. So he wasn't just writing to Israel to say, okay, Israel, let me give you some general information for a specific time, and that will kind of be it. He was writing to Israel to say, these are the parameters that the Lord works under And so this particular verse gives us some invitation parameters that we can see. This first invitation that the Lord gives is the most significant. And not only does it set parameters for who he invites, but it also kind of sets this parameter for this small group, which is so cool. So if you want to read this, uh, you can kind of read this out loud together. This is starting in verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. So kind of focusing in on that first phrase, come now and let us reason together. The idea of reasoning together is kind of this parameter for the small group. The idea that the church meeting on Sunday is a wonderful place to gather and hear a message in general. The pastor is going to spend quite a bit of time. I'm, I can't speak for Eric, but for myself, 30 to 50 hours of preparation to put a Sunday message together. Prayer, all this different time and energy to put forth a general information. So you're going to hear a lot of general information on a Sunday message. And it's always been something that I've always liked to do is take that general information and then kind of digest it with the small groups. The idea there is that a Sunday message might spur something or create something, some type of thought in you. So today I'm trying to spur in you the idea that who's personally inviting who? What are we doing with our personal invitations? How are personal invitations active in our lives? And so that small group then becomes the place where you can disseminate that, kind of unwrap that and kind of figure things out and kind of work that out. This week I had a chance to do um, student ministries Why um, Jimmy and Heather were on um, their honeymoon. And it was kind of great to kind of unpack the student ministries with the students. And I got a chance to do John 14 with them, one of my favorite passages. And any time we get together in a small group, that's something that we're going to be able to do, is kind of unpack God's word. And I don't know about you, but the, the purpose of big church is kind of just to stir it up. It's kind of just say, hey, look, as a whole group, as a whole community, this is God's word. What is it saying to you? What is it doing for you? And then as you stir it up on kind of a Sunday, then we put you out into these small groups. Then in these small groups, you unwind it. 
And as you unwind it, it kind of speaks to you in a way that says, okay, this is something I grew up with. This is a problem that I had in my life. How can I deal with it? And then the togetherness of your small groups pouring into one another helps you unwind these things. Um, I like the concept of kind of like Lazarus when he was tied up in his uh, cloth and then his friends, uh, Jesus says to his friends, unwind him. He's kind of bound up. And maybe a quick little video will kind of remind you of uh, a consideration. As a small group, we unwind things together. And as a small group, we reason together. Mark, can you play that video? Marcus? It's hard to believe. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's hard to believe I found that on the Internet years ago. And uh, it's been a part of my life for years. And when I showed that to Eric and he said, you know, I wrote this series long before he wrote it long before I ever got here. And actually, the ending of the series, he even gave me the, the ending message long before I even got here, the September 3rd ending message on community. It was given to me long before I got here. So when I showed him that video, he just like, wow, I mean, what, what do I say to that? And so knowing someone in the church is kind of helping us work on all these different things with media or whatever, the idea that community and small group was all intertwined in something, it's kind of like, you know, Jim and Wendy. When, when you see the Lord working all these different things together, sometimes it's nice to just sit back and realize it's great to labor, but it's also wonderful to know that the Lord's hand is in it. And so the reality for this church is you already have a Thursday nights. Both those are going to be at 7. But along with that, what's kind of cool is my wife and I are going to open up a new group to the millennials. And we really believe that the church has a, an opportunity for us to bless the millennials. So from 18 to 28 on Monday nights, every other Monday night starting in September on the 11th, we're going to start meeting across the street with them and start opening a whole new ministry up to them. And so we want to see what the Lord has for this church and for that group of uh, students. And we really believe that they're a significant part of the church, and we want to reach out to them. And it just so happens that that's where my wife and I's children are. And so we love that group, and that's where we spend all our time. We spend all of our time ministering to them and speaking to them and hanging out with them. So that's going to be a new ministry that's happening in September. Along with that, I've been telling you guys that I like to fish. And uh, at the men's retreat, I promised the guys it would happen. So I want to let you know that today, officially, I have a sign-up back there. I'm actually going to take a bunch of you guys fishing. Once a month, I'm going to start a ministry called Foam, Fishers of All Men. And Eric wanted me to add the all men in there because I've been told Bella wants to come with us. And so we wanted to make sure that Bella was welcome and we're just going to hang out once a month on like a Saturday morning. We're just going to get a bunch of people together and go down to the beach and fish. And we're just going to hang out and see what the Lord has to do with it. And if you want to join uh, Fishers of Men, there's a sign up back there. There's already like 12 people signed up for that that have talked to me early. And if you have any young adults that you know of that are 18 to 28, uh, they can come sign up with me after church with that. Because you know what? All these different ministries are an opportunity for us to reach out in small groups and communities and say, hey, look. The big group's going to serve one purpose. We're going to come together on Sunday, and the word of God's going to go forth. But if God stirs up something in your heart that you need to talk about in a different way, and you're not able to come forth and maybe pray about it or speak about it, we want you to have a small group that you can reach out to. So we learn first that this first divine invitation that Christ invited sinners. He said, come, let us reason together. And though you have sin issues, I will work those sin issues out. I'm going to take those sin issues. And though they're scarlet, I'm going to turn them white. And we're going to reason those out together. You're not going to have to try to figure this out on your own. We're going to work this out together. And I just love that so much that this initial invitation was to sinners. And the idea was that we could come together and that we could work it out together. He doesn't come to people and say, those of you who are clean, those of you who have figured it out, those of you who know what's going on. He comes to people as is. 
and says, come to me and let me clean you up. Let me help you give you new thinking and new understanding. So the first one that he invited was sinners. Now let's go to the next passage. This is John 7, 37, 38. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. John 7, 37, 38. And look what he invited next. You're going to see there's a pattern here. And I think this is important for us because a lot of times when it comes to who we invite and how we invite, I think we try to invite people that look like us and seem like church people. But we have to remember that all of us came from somewhere. Someone invited us. And when we first came to church, we may not have been the perfect church person. And so it's a good reminder for us to remind Jesus went after a different kind of person. He started with the sinner, and then he invited the next type of person, which was the thirsty. The thirsty. He says in John 37, 38, if you'd like to read with me, feel free. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from this innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So this is a whole new understanding about coming and drinking. Okay? You can come and drink from our drinking fountain today and be not thirsty for a little bit. But if you drink from the water of Christ, if you drink from the well that is Christ, it's a spiritual thirst. And so you have to think about that when your personal invitation goes out. I mean, you have to look for those who are sinners. Do you know anyone who qualifies as a sinner? Right here. All right. So everyone qualifies for your initial personal invitation. Next, look for the person who's thirsty. Look for the person who's looking for answers. And the kind of answers you're looking for is the kind of person who's thirsting for spiritual answers, spiritual truth. And maybe they haven't made it up front to you, but you know what? The reality is everyone's looking. Jeremiah 3 says eternity has been placed on man's heart. Everyone's looking for the kind of thirst that comes from that inner well that only the Lord can satisfy. And he's saying, hey, come to me. I will be the only person that can fill that need. Come and see that I am good. And I just kind of love that. I mean, especially right now as it's hot and you're kind of dealing with thirst and the idea of being, you know, all this dry, dry different things, the idea that you come to Jesus and he fills you with this kind of perpetual water that from you flows this spring that you can then give to others from your abundance. You know, that you're not running out, that you yourself become this perpetual spring. That's the way that he gave to us. He opened a line to his father in that same way. See, we would never have the opportunity to speak to God if it wasn't through Christ. And that's what we had. He came from heaven to earth and opened that. And now those of us who thirst for him have been satisfied. I find it interesting that even the Holy Spirit comes alongside of the Lord in support. The role of the Holy Spirit sometimes can be confusing to some, but if you just look at the scriptures, it's so perfectly clear that the role of the Spirit is to support the Lord in everything that he says and does. In Revelation 22:17, it says this, the, the Holy Spirit supports the Lord and invites the destitute and the poor to come. This is what this says. If you'd like to read, please join me. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And the one who is thirsty Come, and the one who wishes, take the water of life without cost. So he starts with the sinner. He starts with the destitute. He starts with the person who has need. Then he goes to the one who is thirsty. And now even the Spirit comes alongside and says, Look, even if you're poor, come. You can't buy what I'm about to offer you. You cannot earn what's about to be offered to you. It can only be given It's been paid for in full by the blood of Christ. It came at a great cost. And you need only 
Come and see that I am good. Ask, let us reason together. If you don't understand, then let's get together. Maybe the big group doesn't work and it's intimidating you, but we can come together in a small group and of like-mindedness, we can reason this out. Recently, I had a student come to me and she told me that she could not be a scientist because Christians, uh, everything about Christianity was against the scientific world. And over a period of six months, we began to answer questions for her, solve different situations, and she found that a lot of the stuff that her friends had been telling her and that the school had been telling her and the world had been telling her was not true. And every single time she came in, we would give her a nugget of truth from God's word and a nugget of truth about how the water system works and how, how the air that we breathe works and all the different systems that God had designed through creation. And within a matter of time, God's word spoke to her in such a way that the truth set her free and the thirst that she had for God's truth was answered. She came to faith by thirsting for God's truth. And that's a truth that you can come to. The Lord invites the destitute, he invites the thirsty, and finally he invites this last group of people. And what can only be said is one of the most famous passages, Matthew 11, 28 and 30. He invites the weary and heavy laden. The weary and heavy laden. That should pretty much qualify with everyone that's around you. The person at the donut shop, the waitress, Anybody that you work with, most everybody that I know today talks about being tired and heavy laden. Listen to this personal invitation. Feel free to read it with me, starting in verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Come to me. I mean, these guys are fishermen. These guys are laborers. This is an agrarian society. These are hardworking people. Every single day of their life is laborious. When he says, come to me, those of you that are laboring and, hard and working hard and are tired, he's talking to a group of people that are tired, that are physically beat, and they need rest. But he says, look, anyone can sleep for a day and get rest. I'm not just talking about rest. I'm talking about a whole different kind of rest. Remember earlier when I talked about a whole different kind of thirst? I'm not just talking about water that satisfies for a minute, Samaritan woman. I'm talking about a water that satisfies for a lifetime. I'm talking about rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. That's why you have have to go back to the beginning. He has to invite sinners. You have to come as you are, because he has to create new thinking. He has to get rid of stinking thinking and get rid of all that and say, you know what, it's new. He's creating a new creation in Christ, right? You're a new creation. You have new thinking. You have a new way to see things. It's a new thirst. It's a new hunger. It's a new way to know good things. Now you can understand that all good things come from the Lord. Now you can understand where love even comes from. Now you can understand this personal invite that's been extended to you, why it's so important that you extend it to somebody else. He's offering spiritual rest, not just for the mind, but for the body and for the soul. And not just for a day or for a week, but he's saying, I'm going to provide soul rest for eternity. So that whatever you have to deal with for the rest of your life, know one thing, you're on the winning team. Now, most of you, except for the Stacks, are not Dodger fans, and so that doesn't really help you right now. But to know that you're on the winning team, other than us right now, the rest of you don't know that. So two of us know that, but the rest of you don't know that. So it's nice to know that you're on the winning team, right? 
Wouldn't that just help in life if you knew that everything that you were going through, that it was all going to work out? But that's what we have in Christ. So when we're inviting people or whenever situations, we're on the winning team. We're in Christ. He's given us rest for our souls. He's provided water that's perpetual. And now he's providing this whole new understanding. There's a whole new reason for what we're doing. I love that the guys were fishermen and they were tired and hungry and that he offered them rest because, you know, I'm a fisherman. I need rest. I like that the idea that when he offered him rest, it's, it's, an envir- it's, a, it's an invitation to come. And that means I have to stop what I'm doing and make consideration for what's being offered. You know, a lot of us have interests, and that interest is consuming our time and energy. And when something else beckons us to come, we have to make a consideration. Is the thing that I'm doing and the thing that I have my time and energy in, is this more important than the new thing that's calling me and beckoning me to come? And the Lord says, you know what? I won't be in competition with anything. And I think that's really difficult for us as Christians sometimes to realize something that, you know, the Lord's not going to play second fiddle to any of your wants, wishes, and desires. It's, it's all or nothing with the Lord. And I think that sometimes we have to think about that. You know, it's like the idea of inviting someone is kind of, kind of burdensome. You know, it's kind of like this faith that we have has kind of put this burden on us. It's like, it's like, no, it's like what an invitation, what an opportunity that you have in Christ to share that with someone else. He talks about this. He says, cast all your cares upon me. Hey, surf fishing guys that are becoming The idea of casting your cares upon him, casting is a wonderful concept. Maybe you, you don't understand that, but in fishing, we really get that. And the further we cast our cares away from us, the greater it is. You know, if you're casting your cares and it falls at your feet, that's not that exciting. But when you really cast a good cast and it goes far away from you, especially if the fish are further away from you, I mean, it's exciting. And so recently I took someone from the church fishing and was teaching him casting. And the idea of casting is to cast away from you. The further away from you, the better. And his children happened to be about 50 yards down the beach to the right. And so I said, cast your fears, you know, cast the bait that way. And he said, I got this. And as he cast, the bait went that way. And he almost hit his son 40 yards down the beach to the right. It was okay. He missed which is usually what happens, right, Eric? So Pastor Eric is now learning. Now he's a brilliant... <laughs> Pastor Eric is now a brilliant caster, and he can really cast way out there. And boy, it's a beautiful thing when you get that surf rod and you cast it out there, and, you know, boom, your bait goes out there, and you're, like, casting your fears away from you. So I'm so excited to have that, you know, representation to share with the surf fishermen. It's like, we know what it means to cast your fears away from you. You don't want to have your fears in front of you. Cast them away from you. You're not thinking about them. Cast them away from you. All these different things. You say, you know what? I'm not sure this is going to work for me. I just, I'm, just not, I'm not really good speaking. Wendy said I'm not really good. It was beautiful, by the way. I, one of my favorite things is when stuttering M- M- Moses said, you know, not, not me. You know, it's Aaron, right? Not me, Lord. It has to be Aaron. The Lord works in those who are not designed to speak. Not everyone has to be pastors and be comfortable speaking. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's the Lord's prerogative to work in all of you. But if you look in the Bible, Andrew invited Peter. So there's the first kind of invitation. So it works for brothers. Uh, Philip invited Nathaniel, right? There's the first family friend. So we got, we got brother to brother, then friend to friend. The Samaritan woman, who did she invite? All of her neighbors, Right when she took Jesus back to, to her town, so all of her neighbors. Then Matthew, he, he, he had a, a festival for just random strangers, just for everyone. So that's an invitation to everyone, just random people. 
And then Cornelius actually put an invitation out to his friends and his family. So there's biblical accounts of personal invitations working for every type of situation. Friends, families, brothers, neighbors, and strangers. So I can give you the Bible reference for every single type of those. A personal invitation works every single time. So no matter what your scenario is, a personal invitation has worked. Which means the possibilities of a personal invitation are endless. You have no idea if the person you're about to ask to your small group or into the community or to the church, you have no idea of the potential influence they have for the kingdom of God. Could the next Billy Graham be residing here in Costa Mesa? Is it possible that the next evangelist, uh, Moody, is sitting in our town and just waiting for someone to invite them, but no one feels comfortable enough to invite them because it's just awkward to invite somebody, so, you know, it's not going to happen. We have no idea. The reality is Jesus continually extended invitations. He was continually showing the apostles and disciples continually extend invitations to all, all the time, day in and day out. Why is it today that we are still struggling when it comes to invitations? Why is it today that we still think something about that is is cumbersome or bothersome about that? You know, inviting someone to lunch and beginning a conversation, you know, you can't have any influence with someone until you have a relationship with them. And it all just begins with a simple, I noticed you were crying or I noticed you were struggling or is there anything I can help with? Just putting two cents into somebody's life and saying, can I help? Can I carry groceries in? Can I cut your lawn? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, if you, if you say, well, I can do it four times or five times, Pastor Jeff. I mean, there has to be a limit of how many times you can ask somebody or you can invite somebody because I just, you can only deal with rejection so many times. Boy, when it comes to dealing with rejections, how many of you ever heard of the famous product WD-39? You've never heard of Norman Larson from San Diego's world-famous WD-39? Water Displacement Test 39? You've never heard of that? Because it's not called Water Displacement 39. Because it didn't work. What is it called? Because 40 worked. In 1953, Norman Larson in San Diego of Rocket Chemical, ooh, and two other guys decided to make a product so exciting that they could use it with, you know, rockets. And he wanted to come up with a product that would displace water and rust. Just a simple product. So he began water displacement test number one. Didn't work. He didn't shut the company down. He didn't say, well, obviously failure's what I'm all about. He went to water displacement two. And he learned that two didn't work. He talked to the guys and said, let's try water displacement three. You know, I'm learning something from WD-40 that a lot of us need to learn. We look at failure completely different than scientists do. Scientists learn at failures how not to do something, but they also learn how that might do something. It's teaching them something. I think we learn at failure like, obviously I'm no good at inviting people, and when I try to share my faith, people mock me, or I start stuttering, so clearly Pastor Eric and Pastor Jeff should be the ones sharing their faith. I'm ruining faith for people, so I'm helping the church by not sharing. You know... No, no, that's not what I see in Scripture. All of us plant seeds. And who is it that actually leads someone to the Lord? The Holy Spirit, right? 
So if it's the Holy Spirit that actually leads someone to the Lord, our job is just to plant seeds. So somewhere around the 39th test when he's looking at the group of guys saying, all right, we only have two employees. We're really not doing anything. We're going to shut this puppy down. What do you guys say? Shut it down? They're like, no, go, Norm, go. Go, Norm, go. You can do At WD-40, when that puppy actually pushes rust away from the product, he has no idea that an entire company, a legacy, the paint scheme of WD-40, that even years later he changed the name of the company, he has no idea that it's going to change everything for him. And neither do we every time we invite somebody. But the reality is you have no idea that every time you make an effort on behalf of the Word of God to go out and invite someone to your church, invite someone to your small group, to bring someone into our community of faith, you have no idea what type of success, spiritually speaking, you could have. Life-changing. And if it only changes one life for eternity, 1 Corinthians 9, 16, 22, that's my prayer. If it's, if it's only one life that you have the opportunity to spiritually affect, was it still not worth it? I told you earlier in the message I was going to have Leslie come up, and I want to ask Leslie to come up, because I know right now there's some of you in here today dealing with grief, and it's not just humidity. But real grief, real pain, and loss. And if you have lost somebody or dealing with death or pain or grief, I want you to know that this new ministry that's coming out, Grief Share, Leslie's going to be talking to us about it, and she has a quick video. It's coming to the church, and we are so blessed to present it. This is Leslie Eames. Leslie Eames, everyone, and she's going to be sharing with you Grief Share. Oh, we never planned for a mic, so this is where we improvise. Mike, can I turn on this thing? Will this work? Yeah? To your left. All right, I got it. Here we go. Boom. Is it on? Now? Hello. No? Can you hear hello, me? Hello, hello. Why is that not? I just pushed the button. It should be that complex. <laughs> oh, Pete will help us. Thank you, Pete, for rescuing us. We practiced everything this morning, but we didn't practice that. We are. We are. There we go. Thank you, Pete. in one way or another. Somebody we know is going to die. Anyway, um, 16 years ago, I went to pick up my grandson from the babysitters, and I found him not breathing. And after CPR and a trip to the hospital, he went to be with the Lord. Six years ago, I also found my son after a tragic accident, not breathing, after performing CPR and another trip to the hospital. He also went to be with the Lord. Last year, my friend of 40 years um, died of cancer, and my mother died of Alzheimer's. So if there's one thing I'm not a stranger to, it's going through the grief process. But I can tell you that... Um, 
it, it was very difficult to go through those years of grief. But I can positively tell you that if it hadn't been for Grief Share, I would not have known the journey of grief to joy. I have with me my two books. Um, this is Christian's. This was my grandson. After I went to, after he passed away, I went through Grief Share. Six years ago, after Randy passed away, I also went through Grief Share. So here's my other book. Now there's a new book, and after about four years of going through a very difficult grief journey, God brought me out of that, and he brought me what I like to call from mourning to joy. And he gave me back my joy. He gave me back my peace. He gave me back everything that I felt that these deaths had taken away from me. And part of that journey went, was going through grief share and understanding what grief is and understanding some of the perimeters around what grief is. I have a short video I'd like you to watch so you can kind of get an idea and a gist of what grief share is. And then afterwards I have a couple more words. Can we show the video? No, please. Grief Share is a support group ministry that helps people heal from the pain of grief. The Grief Share video seminars, workbook exercises, and small group discussions give participants encouragement, useful advice, and hope. The videos, they're very believable. It just seemed like regular people speaking from the heart. They helped me focus my thoughts. Having many different people on the videos from week to week makes a huge difference. The video strengthened me. The way I grew up, people had a funeral. They went to somebody's house, ate a lot of food, and you never talked about it after that. Uh, and to be able to sit in a small group and hear people actually express what I was thinking and feeling was quite refreshing. I needed to be in a situation where I could talk freely about my feelings and my grief and not feel like that I was causing other people to be uncomfortable. My workbook helped me to unravel the feelings that were I was going through. I found that the workbook was so helpful in that while the video I was watching it, I could make notes. And it helps me go back and, and remember how God can help me. If you know people in your church or community who are grieving the death of a loved one, tell them about Grief Share. Or visit a Grief Share group yourself to heal from the pain of your grief. And remember, no matter how long ago you lost your loved one, you are always welcome at Grief Share. There was such a void until I got into Grief Share. Grief Share has been a big help and encouragement to me. Grief Share brought me out of my sadness. Begin your journey from mourning to joy at Grief Share. Okay, so some of the things, the perimeters around this are, um, it is a 13-week course. The only preface it with that is, is that you can come in at any time because each, each session is of its own. So the video and the workbook groups you know, stand on their own each week. So if you can't make one group, you can come to the next. It's not like you have to come every 13 weeks, but it would be nice if you could. Um, there is a video each week, um, and between each group time, you would work in your workbook, which really has a lot of really useful information 
about grief that will help you through that journey. Um, and I'm always looking for people who might want to volunteer to help out. So if you've already gone through that grief share journey and you feel like that's something that you would, you know, God's pulling you to help out with, that would be something as well. Um, and I know for me, after all of the grief that God has put me through, that he really has helped me become closer to him. He has helped me become what I like to call a conduit of care. Um, he really gives me a heart for those who are grieving. And I really want to have Jesus work through me and help those who are grieving in this church. So that's, that's it. <laughs> Okay, my bad. Final word for thoughts. Why have we made personal invitations so difficult? I think it's because we've made it more like a job. You know, made it more like a job rather than a joy. You know? It's like this duty that we have to do rather than this amazing privilege that we get to do. We get to share our faith when we invite somebody. We get to extend the hand of faith to someone and say, hey, you know, maybe church is too much for you. Would you? How about surf fishing? Can you do that? I mean, if they can't do that, then try coffee. Try anything you can to extend the hand of faith and invite someone to, into community. Community is about the community of faith. The community of faith that we're in is our faith in the Lord, and that supersedes just going to church. If it can start in a church, great. If it can start in a small group, great. But it always starts with a relationship. And that's something you need to think about. You know, are you afraid of someone saying no to you? Or are you afraid of someone saying no to the Lord? Think about that. They say no to you. That's unfortunate. But if they say no to the Lord, that's ominous for eternity. We know what that holds. Let that be your motivation for asking. I really appreciate Eric adding that homeward stuff on there and giving you a chance to kind of take that. Just remind yourself, never stop inviting someone. It doesn't end with a no. Sometimes it just requires prayer. Sometimes, you know, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Sometimes you just need to knock down the walls that's holding somebody back. This grief share ministry is so amazing because not only is it for the church, but it's for the community. And maybe you guys didn't hear that from Leslie, but half of the people that are already signed up from this are from our community. Lighthouse is going to open up its building and reach out to the community, to those who've been affected by grief and loss. And we're going to minister to those people. I think that's significant. I think that's important. And I think that's what the church should be all about. One final food for thought. They may come to church because they've personally been invited but they're going to stay because they've been personally loved. Right? We can invite them to come and see what we've been telling them is so great. A lot of us feel amazing. I, I know me personally. I feel that this is probably the greatest joy that I've ever had in my life coming to this church. I truly feel blessed. Jen and I feel like we're so, so grateful to be here. 
But the reason why they're going to stay is the authentic love of Christ exists. We got to make sure we look for those new people. We got to make sure we reach out to those people that come here for the first time and remember what it was like when we first walked through the door and how someone reached out and greeted us. The authentic love of Christ supersedes our theological understanding, our knowledge of Scripture, our verse memorization. It supersedes any of that. And just an authentic, warm welcome and true love will make them stay. Who will go? The Lord asks. I say, I will go. I will ask. I ask you to consider the same. Let me pray. Father God, I just thank you for the morning. I thank you for the opportunity that Scripture provides to see the simple nature of who you are and how you were so willing to come from your abode to this place and, and come as a child and present yourself lowly and humbly to us to live on this planet for over 30 years and live a life of humility and reaching out to everyone in hand's reach. Father, you, you loved people. You cared for people. To the sick, you never pushed them away. Father, you fed people on Sundays. You touched people that had leprosy. You cared for people that everyone said were outcasts. You did so many different things that were so against society. And you just showed us, Father, that the idea of the personal invite is not nothing new. It's, it's something that you initiated. You personally invite us to know you, to, to try, to taste, to see that you are real, to know that Everything that you said is true. To know that your word is something that we can stand on. To know that true north is not just some figment of our imagination. It's a, it's, a, it's a point of reference that we can fix our eyes upon. It's an anchor that can hold in the storms of life. It's a place where believers can seek refuge, shelter. It's a lighthouse that sends its light out into the dark storm and says, this way, safety and security are this way. Come this way if you want to leave the storms of life. Yes, we know, Father, the Scripture says, in this life you will have troubles, you will have tribulations, but take heed, I've overcome this world. And I pray that we would be encouraged by that from the most com comfortable speaker in this room to the least comfortable speaker in this room. Everyone in this room would be reminded, just throw seeds, Father, just throw seeds. Just keep asking, keep sharing. Invite them to coffee. Invite them to come over and watch TV. Just, come, just listen to the Bible on their phone. Do anything they can, Father. It's a limited time offer to share the love of Christ. I pray that we would never, ever lose sight of what it means of this great gift of salvation that we've been given. We are so grateful. I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning, Father, that's first time, second time, third time, whatever time it is, Father, that they do not know that you've personally invited them to come to you and know that you are real, that today would be the day, Father, that they would know, that they would come to you and bring their sins and sorrows and everything that, that frustrates them about life, Father, that they would bring it and set it at the feet and be clean, be made white as wool, and seek salvation in no other name but the name above all names, Father, your Son, Jesus, precious and holy name. It's in his name we pray.
Amen.